on today's Money with Friends. Financial literacy in the news. Some good news coming out of schools. Teachers taking more hands-on approach. How does it work? And will their approach help you teach yourself and others about money? That's on today's show with our good friend and thought leader, Lynette Kilfani-Cox. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement just outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Lynette Kalfani-Cox, the money coach, coming to you from outside of Houston, Texas. This is the Financial News and Commentary Podcast, where we focus on topics that'll help you as a saver, an earner, and a spender six days a week. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Dollar. Thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. Rocket Dollar account holders had the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose. If you know about how retirement savings work, usually... There's only a few different investment types you can use. Well, through Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA or solo 401k, you can make direct make investments rather directly into real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, and anything else offered by the IRS. Get offered, allowed by the IRS doesn't offer any of it. Allowed by the IRS. Get $100 off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com/mwf. That's rocketdollar.com/mwf. We do this show live, and today we're doing it live with my good friend, Lynette Kilfani-Cox. The Money Coach is with us today. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, thanks. It's a good time to talk about this because... It's always a good time to talk about financial literacy. (laughs) I know. Well, and you know what? Seriously, we're coming up on a lot of people, a lot of schools having fall break. So parents are around kids more often. We also have the holidays coming where you're with the family. And what better time to spend together cuddling up and learning about money? (laughs) I can think of nothing better. (laughs) But this is really an evergreen topic. I mean, it's not necessarily a fall only thing. This is something that, you know, uh, we're as parents, you know, the parent is kind of the first teacher that a kid is going to have. And then, of course, the educational teachers who, you know, are just vastly underpaid, underappreciated. They do yeoman's work. And now so many more are teaching our kids about money and financial literacy. So I was super excited to, to pick this topic and, and you know, talk to uh, your audience about it. Yeah, I was excited yesterday when you said it to me. So let's stop foreshadowing. We'll get into it here in a second. But to kick this off, let's see which one of our friends is kicking off today's show. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right, Lynette, you've got it from here. This piece comes to us from Reuters, written by Chris Taylor. What do we got? Yes. So this piece from Chris says, there are a lot of hard truths about money, but here is one of the hardest. We're really bad at passing along money smarts. As it stands, only 57% of American adults can be considered financially literate, according to a global survey by Standard & Poor's. A new initiation it says initiation. I think they meant initiation. I do too. <laughs> From education fundraising website, donorschoose.org and the Charles Schwab Foundation is aiming to change that with a new hands-on approach. Rather than kids reading about starting a business, why not actually open a school store? Rather than reading about concepts like supply and demand, why not start making t-shirts and see if they can sell them? 
the innovation challenge prompts teachers to craft creative Finlit projects, helps them get funded, and then monitors which ones pay off. Quote, experiential learning is so important, especially for lower income families, said Casey Cortese, managing director of Schwab's Community Services, which is taking a new hands-on approach to teaching financial literacy. Quote, if you make lessons tangible and real, it really cements learning, end quote. Now get this, this year's overall winner of an online fan vote, students of Rapunzel Galang in Lanham, Maryland, undertook virtual reality field trips to different historical landmarks through time. Wow. They did that using VR he- headsets, but first they had to plan, budget, and pay for such trips by researching about the places they wanted to visit. Another innovative project, Xavier Lewis in Dayton, Texas, combined financial literacy with a mission to Mars STEM project. (laughs) Students earned money in their virtual bank accounts with attendance, class participation, and completing assignments. They could then spend that money to buy supplies to assemble rockets, rovers, and hovercrafts for a simulated flight to Mars. Other projects included creating a virtual reality bank, filming a how-to video video series on personal finance, using dinosaurs to pass along money lessons, that sounds fun, and teaching the idea of wants versus needs via dramatic play. How cool is that? I want to do all those. Let's do, I especially (laughs) want to go to Mars, but I dig all those. Uh, Kevin continues, while 92% of teachers say financial education is important, only 12% actually undertake it because they just don't have the resources, said Cortese. To combat that with the innovative challenge, 15 of the top projects were developed into full lesson plans. Teachers across the country could then download them for free and use them in their own classes. The first 200 teachers who did so and submitted a report on how it went got a $250 credit to apply to future projects on the site. The initiative has encouraged educators to think bigger and more creatively than just using a crowdfunding site like donors choose to cover things like basic supplies. Since the Innovation Challenge first got started, there's been a 66% increase in Finlit projects posted, said Rianne Roberts, Partnerships Manager for the fundraising site. Financial literacy is a long game, though. You can teach a third grader about money smarts today, but you won't know for years whether those habits have actually taken root. When the Schwab Foundation first started partnering with the site in 2017, 350 teachers participated in its financial literacy campaigns, reaching 36,000 students. In 2019, in comparison, they've already reached 1,600 teachers and 250,000 students. So far this year, Schwab donated $375,000 to the Innovation Challenge and $500,000 total to donors choose. Of those teachers who use the resulting materials, 98% said they plan to keep teaching financial literacy in schools. I want to talk about this this cost first, the cost benefit here, because the benefit, Lynette, is huge, and the, and the but the 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 cost three hundred seventy five thousand dollars for Charles Schwab for you and I that's a lot of money for Charles Schwab that is a tiny tiny amount of money that can have a big impact on half a million kids. 
Absolutely. And think about it because so many teachers fund things out of pocket themselves. You know, they often will dip into their wallets, their pocketbooks, et cetera, and get supplies or just try to do their own creative projects that the school or the district isn't funding. So this even lets them unleash a little more creativity, perhaps, just because that extra 50 or 100 bucks for a teacher's classroom means he or she might now try something super innovative. And so it's it's an example of how, you know, relatively small dollars for every individual classroom or something can just make a huge impact. And that's why we saw, you know, the growth of this program is, is just been phenomenal uh, in two years. So I was super happy as a mom, you know, I was like, oh, this is so great. I hope this takes hold and a lot more teachers can learn about it because we need some, we don't have a federal, you know, uh, financial literacy uh, initiative, something that's nationally required. And so it's going to be initiatives like this that kind of push us over the line. But we see this all the time. I mean, I've seen on online and I'm sure you've seen these memes too about why don't we teach more financial literacy in schools? And I think part of the reason is you and I both have seen these statistics. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, uh, people will tell you that they're going to do good things, that they're going to make great decisions. And then they go out and they blow their money like they would have anyway. So the cost benefit hasn't been there. And I'm wondering if, because I haven't seen this type of approach enough. I'm wondering this, do it. Like instead of reading about a company, going out and starting a company. Like if you if know, if that's the key that it's going to take, like doing instead of talking. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me in the, in the article, it said when they quoted um, the uh, person from Schwab, they said experiential learning is so important, especially for lower income families. Blah, blah, blah. If you make lessons tangible and real, it really cements learning. And I, I, of course, I'm appreciative that Schwab is doing this. I think it's an awesome effort. But I kind of like took issue with that just in general. <laughs> I'm only a little, um, let me quibble um, because it said experiential learning is so important, especially, especially for lower income families. It's not for just for lower income families. That's what Anybody. I was going <laughs> to, I was wondering <laughs> the same thing. Look, let me tell you about the ultimate in experiential learning. You have a four-year-old, okay? I don't care if that four-year-old comes from an uber-wealthy family or the most dirt-poor family. You tell that kid, they're, they're in the kitchen, and they go, oh, and you go, oh, no, no, don't touch. And the kid goes, ah, and touches the oven or the stove, and they burn their finger. That's experiential learning. You better believe that four-year-old is not going to touch that hot stove again. It has nothing to do with his or her income status or whatever. And likewise, because I have two... Um, older children, in addition to my middle school daughter, one daughter who's 22, who just you know graduated last year from college, and another son who's 19, he's a sophomore in college. I can tell you in higher education, experiential learning is all the rage. I mean, many top you know schools across the country, they really focus on experiential learning. They don't want it to just be academic ivory tower wisdom that is kind of transmitted to students. They want the students to have hands-on application and opportunity to do the things that they're learning. And again, it has nothing to do with your income or your socioeconomic background and status. It's just that we know from a um, learning standpoint and from a cementing it, as this person referenced, it sticks with people. The, yeah. the um, 
agency and the ownership of it, the uh, lesson is rooted in a very real and tangible way when something is practical. And if somebody sees, it's kind of like, you know, you can take anything, driving a car. Oh, when I push my foot too hard on the gas, that's a form of experiential learning. Whoop! I accidentally bumped somebody in front of me. I have to ease up. I have to go slower. So at every level in, ter- in terms of functioning in life, and yes, for money stuff too, the experience is the best teacher. <laughs> but I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if, and I don't want to make excuses for that line for the Schwab right. representative, but I'm wondering if it's, if it's because... Um, uh, uh, somebody from a higher income family has maybe more likelihood because of the resource of the family to experience more without it being in school. So somebody from a high income family might be able to go on some vacation where they see a different culture. They go visit a, uh, you know, uh, uh, here in Detroit, we've got the Rouge River uh, Ford plant where you can go watch cars being put together and that costs money to do. So I'm wondering if that's what they're talking about, about introducing that in the schools gives them more equal footing. Maybe I don't, Um, it it could be that, you know, access and resources is sort of the underlying subtext there, or it could be something else. And let me again, play devil's advocate and, 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 you know, kind of um, say what this person might've been referencing. We do know and data and research and, and, and analysis does show for lower income households, Sometimes very small amounts of money or access to, to things. Now, they were specifically citing experiential learning um, that the money can provide the experiential learning that can make a huge difference. For example, um, studies show that if you have a family um, that has just $500 in a savings account, that's earmarked or designated for college, all of a sudden it raises the child's aspirations and ambitions. And that child is like three to four times more likely to go to college just because the family said, look, oh, here, we have a college savings account for you. And then the kid is like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to go to college. Um, Whether it's staying in school, if there's a, a, a small problem and somebody might have a setback and they might need just, you know, $150 to pay a bill to stay in school, or to be kicked out of school, those smaller amounts can make a difference. And so they might've been, even though the the topic was experiential learning, the sort of subtext might've been that having resources or money gives you the option or the the access to experiences, opportunities, et cetera, which is in keeping with what you said, and they might have been sort of tying the two concepts together. So, yeah. and I get that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like what you're saying is maybe there's an appreciation for a bigger appreciation for the amount being spent, the amount being sacrificed by the family to get there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's part of it. That even if it's just awareness or it could be a greater appreciation or recognition because, you know, obviously a hundred bucks to a family that's making $20,000 is much more significant yeah. than a hundred bucks to a family that's making $200,000 a year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all relative there, but um, in general, I mean, you gotta give major props to donors choose and to the Schwab foundation for kicking this effort off and giving all teachers, you know, nationwide the opportunity to, to fund 
um, create and to just come up with creative projects. And I love the fact that the the take rate is so high yeah. in terms of, you know, once they do it, 98 percent say, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this because this could be a huge boon for spreading financial literacy in classrooms all across the country. And that's ultimately the the, the goal. And obviously it's a, it's a laudable goal. Yeah, I love it. Hopefully this spurs a lot more. I'm I'm interested to see where it goes from here. And like you, I hope it grows. In just a second, Lynette and I are going to have our big takeaway from today's awesome, awesome piece. And uh, I love my takeaway. Can't wait to hear yours. I feel like we're unwrapping it at the end. Like here it yeah. is, like that's coming. But in just a second, because first I want to talk about our new sponsor, Rocket Dollar. Let's take a minute and talk about your IRA or solo 401k plan. What do you do when you want to invest in something different than the usual suspects offered in most brokerage? You know, for most people, uh, investing in an exchange traded fund, a mutual fund, the basic things, well, that's easy to do. But let's say that you want to invest in an actual house or invest in an actual company that's not offered on a stock exchange. How do you do that if it's real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, everything else allowed by the IRS. Well, to do that, you get Rocket Dollar. They make investments in all these things easy. Simply write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. Don't wait for a custodian to mail a check on your behalf. It's really that simple. And if you know, by the way, how all these things work, it usually is not that simple, which is why we like Rocket Dollar even more for people that are going to go a little more esoteric with their investment decisions. Best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or your 401k. Open a Rocket Dollar account today and take advantage of the world of investment opportunities. You get all of that for $15 a month after a one-time $360 sign-up fee, which, by the way, $360 sign-up fee if you're looking at just a Vanguard IRA, Lynette, that's a lot of money. But if you look at that for people that invest in actual homes inside of a 401k or uh, our friend Derek invest in racehorses, as an example, inside his IRA, like if you're investing in any of these other things that the IRS allows, but that you're not going to get through Vanguard, $360 is nothing. We're going to actually make it less expensive for Money with Friends listeners. Rocket Dollar is offering $100 off your setup fee. Head to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF, and they'll remind you there uh, how to get their $100 off. So thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Stacking Benjamins. By the way, if you're going to put a house or something in your in your IRA that's not just an exchange-traded fund or a, or a, a mutual fund or uh, an individual stock, make sure you get good tax advice too. Because if you buy a house on the beach to go in your IRA, you can't go visit it. Like there's some, there's some specific rules. You, you can't be kicking your feet up in your vacation house. that's inside your 401k. That is illegal. So know how it works at least slightly. All right, Lynette, time for our big takeaway on this piece back to financial literacy. Um, what's our big takeaway? So my takeaway, it might be kind of wonky, but <laughs> um, I love that technology has enabled better public-private partnerships and better scalability for things that seemed daunting or impossible. So um, in the past, if you had a company like Schwab or even their foundation, which is is doing this, they might have said, let's adopt a school 
or they might have said, let's adopt a school district. But now, because of technology and platforms like DonorChoose.org, they're able to basically say, let's adopt a whole national educational system. <laughs> let's, let's help all teachers all across America with this initiative. And it's, a, it's an example, and it is a uh, challenge, of course. They call it the innovation challenge. I want to call it the, the um, financial literacy corporate challenge because a company and an organization like Schwab and its foundation that stepped up to do this means that there's no other reason that financial services company X, Y, and Z can't do it or a transportation company or a, a technology company or a pharmaceutical company, a manufacturing company, any company that has um, an interest in having a workforce that is more financially educated, which helps them because people aren't distracted as employees. This is, like the article said, long game. We all have a vested interest in making uh, folks in this country more financially literate. So Schwab stepped up to do this, but there's no reason many other companies can't do it. And technology is a driver to help it all happen. I love that. And and Schwab, to your point, gets gets a, a fairly immediate kick, right? I mean, uh, people then looking at investing more, that goes directly to Schwab. But I love your point about the not so immediate, but 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 something that helps companies a ton. I mean, the part that I'm sure Schwab thought about, but that even, you know, you're talking about like a waste management company, the PR, the fact that we're talking about this. I mean, we're not the only outlet talking about this. You got it from Reuters, one of the biggest news services on earth, Lynette. Like everybody talks about the goodwill that company is going to get. It's going to be huge. Exactly. Priceless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My my takeaway is around the words experiential learning. And and I don't even know if I pronounced that right. But 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 it's a big it's a big term. But I think it's important no matter who you are, this is a great way to learn anything. If you want to learn anything, starting with a book is fine, but actually experiencing it is fantastic because it sticks. And I'll tell you, this is one of the main reasons why here in the basement we like playing board games is because of the fact, and I'll give you an example. There's a board game called Power Grid that's all about utilities. Now, you can't think of anything that sounds more boring than sitting around all night geeking out over utilities, yet the game is really fun because there's a difference between how coal plants operate and oil plants and wind power and nuclear power, and you're trying to power this up. And guess what I learn about power plants playing this game? I don't learn anything. I frankly don't learn anything about power plants, but I'll tell you what happens. Ever since I started playing this game Power Grid, every time I see something about power companies in the news now, I immediately think fun. I think exciting. And I've learned a ton about power and about how it works just because I experienced a little bit of it playing this game. So I strongly believe in the science of play. I think that if you make things a little more fun and a little more interesting and you dive into it just a little bit, the learning might not come, Lynette, right away, but it's going to come. You're going to learn about it. You're going to start being more interested. And I think we spend too much time as financial educators trying to be, now I'm going to really get on my soapbox. I think we spend too much time trying to be super nerdy and get granular with people. And instead we should be making it fun and interesting. People will get granular on their own. Just make it a good time and the rest of it will come later. 
And that's a great point. And if you think about it, the people who actually get out of the, you know, classroom type of setting and the academic and the teaching mode and actually do stuff, those are the people who have this, the basic skill sets to do whatever it is they, they want to do. That's why there's apprenticeship programs. That's why there's like trade programs. You can tell me about, you know, fixing my toilet or whatever, but, or you can like, you know, let me go and, and, and shadow a plumber and learn how to actually do it. Now, which one is, is going to give me the best, you know, skill set and outcome? Obviously, it's me actually getting down and dirty and actually doing it. So right. it's the same thing with this. I love it. Literacy. Yeah, so. I abs- absolutely love it. Speaking of experiential learning, people can actually take online courses through you at askthemoneycoach.com, correct? That's right. Um, askthemoneycoach.com is our, that's our free um, uh, platform, a ton of articles and videos and whatnot. And then they have the opportunity through moneycoachuniversity.com to take either free or paid courses uh, on a you know range of personal finance topics. Yeah, and I saw you even you even have a link right there on Ask the Money Coach where people can click on online courses and takes you right to see it just it just dinged. I don't know if everybody heard your site just dinged at me, but the uh, but you've got all kinds of of opportunities and resources. And how many how many different books have you written? Fifteen. Oh my! I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling with number one. You make me jealous. <laughs> All right. On behalf of Lynette, I'm Joe. We'll see you guys back here. It'll be Bobby and I on uh, tomorrow's show. We'll see you guys back here next time at Money with Friends. Bye bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.